Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. saying that the kitchen was the centre of the home. Lynn couldn't say that he necessarily agreed with it, but he could understand how it came about. It was somewhere where they congregated a fair amount, started off their days over breakfast and mess up in the evenings to eat together. It never really mattered whether or not they were spending the day together or what their plans were. Breakfast and dinner had become a hard, unwritten schedule in their lives. Kaylin rarely helped cook, but Micah could be found next to Lynn helping with something or another. He had explained that he had learnt from his mother helping her cook when he could. He wasn't necessarily the best at some of the more fiddly techniques that Lynn used, but could cook perfectly adequately as it was. Lynn had made it clear that he didn't mind, though. It wasn't like he was cooking for a high-priced restaurant. As long as it tasted good, Lynn really didn't care what it looked like. It was nice company in the end. Micah seemed to be more than adept at keeping the conversation going for the three of them, and never seemed to mind if the two of them were quieter for any reason. He was nice to listen to as well, telling all sorts of stories about his day and what he wanted to do, and whatever seemed to pop into his head at the time. It was never the same thing twice, and he never seemed to get boring. Micah was, above all else, a good storyteller. I got a letter from my mama today. Mike amused, busy cutting up vegetables to season some omelettes. I think her writing's getting better. She must have been practising. Lynn had seen the letters Mike had got from his mother. Her writing was always written in big, blocky characters, and the spelling was always phonetical. Lynn would never mention it, never bring it up out loud, but he struggled to understand what she was saying a lot of the time. Micah never did, though, and... Lynn would die for the way his face lit up every time the specific envelopes that designated a letter from her. They were a distinct paper, cheap paper, that looked like it had been patched together from a myriad of other pieces. The ink was of poor quality too, scratched into the page in a way that didn't help the poor handwriting. But it always smelled of lavender, the scent of it lingering in the room long after the letter had left in any way, that somehow managed not to be overpowering. She's been doing more construction work around the village, which is good, Micah continued, not looking up from his task. Not that I could ever tell her to her face, but she's getting older. She hasn't slowed down yet, but it's only a matter of time, and I would rather she didn't find that out for herself when she gets injured, you know? As if anything could take your mother down, Kaylin responded, making himself useful by setting the table and making drinks. She kept up her training, unlike Dad. She'll be good for another decade, at least. Yeah, well, I worry about her. Micah pouted. He leant over to pass Lynn the vegetables he had already prepared. She's as stubborn as an ox, which is good, occasionally, but... I know she'll take it too far one of these days, especially now Hiroki isn't around to try and keep her in check. Lynn paused, staring at the eggs he was whisking for a moment. 
It was a matter of pride that it appeared neither of the men noticed at all. It didn't matter that they were too caught up in their own conversation, Lin knew he had managed to keep his ears perked up. Which was impressive, even if he did say so himself. Like Hiroki ever kept her in check in the first place, Kaelin shot back with a laugh. He could never calm her down, you know that. Lin looked to the side to see Micah puff out his cheeks, a look of annoyance that Lin was more than used to. But he did. He had his own way of doing it. She knew when he was being serious and when he was joking around. He had a... He had a way of making sure she knew when something was too much, too far. And a way of telling her that didn't make her feel like he was talking her down. Micah explained, and Lin heard the tap of the knife in time with his words. I don't know how to explain it, but that's what it felt like to me. They had a respect for each other, for their strengths and weaknesses, and yeah, maybe your dad has that too, but she's still... It was different. With Hiroki. It was quiet for a time. Lin didn't know if he was supposed to talk, supposed to ask about the people being spoken about. In the end, he knew it was purely cowardice that stopped him. It had always been a problem he had, cowardice. Anyway, that's why I invited her to visit, Micah added, as if he hadn't just dropped a huge bombshell on Lin's whole life. You what? Lin asked, ears finally pinning back in pure fear this time. It was asked too quickly, without taking into account how it might affect Micah. I invited her to come and visit. That's okay, isn't it? Micah repeated, looking up at Lin with those wide eyes. It's just, I really miss her, and I worry about her being on her own. I, I thought she could come and see where I'm living now. Lin took a deep breath. It would be fine. He had survived much worse. He would survive this, too. It was just meeting his boyfriend's mother. People did that every day and came through the other side. Other people didn't know what he knew, though. But one look in his eyes. Micah's ears slowly lowering the longer they looked at each other, and Lynn knew that he had fucked up. Massively. Yeah, no, of course, that's fine. I was just... It surprised me. I'm worried I won't be able to get the house presentable in time. He responded, leaning over to kiss Micah's temple. It was a bad lie. The house was always presentable, Lynn knew that, and so should Micah. But Micah always saw the best in people, for better or for worse, and he assumed that was what Lynn was worried about. Because it was always far too easy to lie to Micah. Oh, she won't care about that. She'll be amazed that somewhere like this even exists. Our house, the one I grew up in, was smaller than your room. I'm not kidding you, even a little. Micah grinned, putting down his work to move over to Lynn, resting his chin on his bicep to look up at him. Plus, she'll see what an amazing boyfriend I have, and how sweet you are, and she won't care about the house. She'll just care that I'm happy, which I am. Because of you. And Kaylin, of course, but she already knows Kaylin. He doesn't count. <laughs> Gee, thanks. Kaylin huffed from across the room, but Lynn was far too entranced with Micah's eyes. If he didn't know any better, he would say that he was using magic to trick him. When will she be here? Lynn asked, hoping that he seemed casual. Casual had never really been Lynn's thing, but he was starting to learn at least. Well, he thought he was starting to learn. A couple of days, maybe. However long it takes her to get through the mountains, Micah grinned, ears finally returning to normal. And that was, maybe, one of the best things he could have said, 
because that last sentence distracted him from the fact that she would be here in a couple of days. I mean, on the train, it's just a three-day ride, Lin mused, so we have at least three days. Sometimes get sorted. Oh, <laughs> she won't be taking the train, Micah added with a grin, looking up at Lin with those same mischievous eyes. Mama's from a mountain clan. She'll walk over. She's looking forward to the trek. Lin had to pause for a moment. He had heard a lot about the woman, of course, but walking over the Hartis Ridge was something else. I can see why you'd be worried about her, if she's doing something like that. But at least we have a couple of weeks, Lin sighed, wrapping an arm easily around Micah's back. Micah, you should tell him. He heard Kaelin add from across the room and barely had the time to look up at him before he was drawn in by that cheeky smile from Micah. She said off two weeks ago, he added with a smile. Sent her last letter from Eastbourne from Kaelin's parents' place. She'll be here sooner than that. Lynn stared down at Micah, full of confusion and a little bit of pride. Micah Blackwood, you are going to be the death of me. Lynn couldn't help but hate the parallel between the night Ro left and the first time he returned. It was a strange thought process he realised this as soon as he stood slowly from his desk, turning around to look out of the window. And there he was, just like he had been almost a decade before, perched carefully on the windowsill, outline expanded and disguised by the cape that was flowing over his shoulders. It would be a familiar sight even without Lynn's almost photographic memory and the fact he had replayed the image in his head over and over for the last seven years. He felt like he was walking through treacle, each step towards the window more difficult than the last. He dreaded what he was walking into, the discussion he was about to have. His heart beat a jig in his chest and he couldn't tell if he was hearing it or feeling it. Numb, nervous fingers slipped on the catch of the window. He was trying oh, so hard not to look up at the face wreathed in flames that was waiting there. Maybe if he kept his eyes away from his for a while, then he could get his emotions in check before he spoke. It was a stupid, stupid idea. The night was warmer than when they left, no storm illuminating his sibling from behind. Instead, the moon was high and bright, and the stars shone brilliantly around it. Lynn was sure if the fire wasn't already lighting up Rose's skin, it would be glowing unnaturally from the light. He dropped down with the same silence and grace as he did the first time, and for a moment, they were left staring at each other. His clothes were rougher than the ones Lynn had last seen him in. No more gold thread and gemstone buttons. Instead, he was in more muted reds, fabric ripped and hastily fixed more than once. Even though he was still armed to the teeth, he wasn't wearing the usual battle gear Lynn had gotten used to seeing him in. These were more casual clothes, and more importantly, clothes that allowed him to blend in with the rest of the army. Clothes that meant he wouldn't be recognised as someone from his background, no matter where he was. A beat. A moment of silence between them before Lynn was surging forward to pull him into a hug with all of his strength. At the time, Lynn thought he felt his sibling hugging him back just as tight, but years of contemplation and the distance that afforded him 
let him know that it was all in his head. Ro! He gasped, lips forming around the familiar syllable like it hadn't been years since it last filled his mouth. You came back. You came home. A few beats of silence yet again before the response came back. I needed to ask you something. A favour, Ro responded. At the time, Lin thought it was something urgent, that's why he was so to the point. But with that same horrible length of time, he had come to realise it was because... Ro no longer cared about him. The Lin of the past, though, did not know this. What is it? he asked, pulling away just enough that he could look into his sibling's eyes. Or where they should be, anyway, if they hadn't been swallowed by a never-ending inferno. I... Lorendi is having a baby, Rose said, barely containing his excitement. And Lin knew that name. Lorendi was technically Rose's superior, but it seemed like the two of them never really respected that as much as they should. Lin had met him twice, both times when Ro was gravely injured. The last time was the same day Lin had left the army and returned home. He was a human man, with a kindly face. He had saved Lin's life that last time. And what... Did you need me to do? Lin asked in confusion. He wasn't sure whether it was the current adrenaline running through his veins that stopped his logical thought process, or if there just wasn't one. It wouldn't surprise him. Ro really wasn't someone who really stuck to any kind of logical thought. I need to get them a present. The baby, I mean. Although, also something for the parents as well, Ro explained, starting to pace the room. He had always been restless, and apparently living in a war zone for years had only made that worse. He's using you for the money. It was a small part of his brain, but a vocal one. One that had only ever really picked up whenever a man around the city was aggressively flirting with him, in a way that made it obvious he didn't just want to get in his bed. A small voice that had never been heard in response to Roe before. Because up to now, Roe had had access to just as much money as Lin did. But it had been a decade, and the army didn't pay as well as just existing as their father's children. He had suspected, for a while, that someone had been stealing from his room, but he didn't want to bring it up. It would have been so easy for Roe to get in and take. He should probably be annoyed at that. It should probably break his heart, but... Instead, he could only be pleased that finally Ro had come home to see him. Of course, of course, how... How much do you need? Lin ended up replying with a speed that he knew he should have been worried about. Should, but wasn't. I don't know, I haven't really decided on a present yet, Ro responded, trailing his fingers along the edge of Lin's desk. I thought maybe a watch? What better than the gift of time, right? Lin nodded, not even looking back at him as he moved towards his bedside table. He had a purse in there, a purse of savings that he could always dip into if he needed something important. And maybe he didn't need anything important right now, but Ro did. He pulled out the purse, debating pulling out a couple of the larger denomination coins before turning and holding the whole purse out to Ro. 
His sibling took it with a smile and a nod of wordless thanks before turning again to head out of the window. Wait, Lynn shouted out, taking a step forward and grabbing his wrist. Rofe rose. He wasn't used to being caught like this. You're not... staying? There was a beat of silence, a moment that seemed to stretch on to eternity. I can't, I... I don't have a lot of leave and I need to go and look around the markets before I head back, Lynn responded, and with time, Lynn knew he was lying. He could have stayed. He just didn't want to. Mother misses you, Lynn offered, hoping at least it would make Ro stay. Ro had always been their mother's favourite. I know, Ro answered, and he reached to gently uncurl Lynn's hand from his wrist. But don't you agree it will make it worse if I turn up for an hour and then leave? It will be better for everyone if she never knew I was here. Lynn had no response to that. No way of making Ro stay. Even if he got physical, he had no chance of holding him back, and he didn't want to get physical. So he stood back, watched as his sibling headed towards the window. Watched as he didn't even look back before dropping to the floor and disappearing into the night. Lynn awoke with a start, staring up into the darkness. It was one of the rare times he had ended up in the middle of the bed, Micah curled up with his head on his chest to his left, while Kaelin held his hand to the right, fast asleep. He shouldn't have... he shouldn't have gone to sleep. It was just asking for trouble, but... A part of him was somewhat grateful for the chance to see Ro again, to hear his voice despite the distortion. He missed him so much his heart ached to think of it. Lynn had never seen what Ro bought for Lorendi's son, never asked and somehow knew that he wouldn't be answered if he did. He had come to terms with never knowing. Until now. Because now he had found out that Ro had bought a pocket watch. Gold with beautiful rubies enchanted to look like they were on fire. A watch that now held a detailed portrait of a lost family. And he knew now that a second identical watch was purchased seven years later, given to the son of the woman he had fallen in love with but could never be with. A watch that housed a picture of the woman he loved and the son she had with another man. Because Lynn had already met Cassie Blackwood before. He had met her years ago in a hospital in the middle of a war zone. But he hadn't known her as Cassie. He had known her as a Sildith.